The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. My guest this week is Aaron Foster. Uh, It's kind of a bittersweet topic for me. He was my apprentice for a few years, and then after that, he was one of my body piercers in the studio for a few years. Uh, He decided to move on to uh, take a position at Soul Tribe in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him, but uh, we're all really sad to see him go. He was a big part of our team and part of our family. So we kind of talk about his progression um, before he joined my studio and, and during and uh, where he's going after. So we talk about uh, how he broke into the industry and some of the challenges he had through uh, being apprenticed under a few different people and you know what he was kind of learning along the way. Uh, we talk about a couple of good shop stories too, have a couple of good laughs. And uh, it's just nice to, uh, to chat with Aaron before, uh, before he ended up packing everything he had into a, a U-Haul with his girlfriend and his cats and, and driving across the country to move to Colorado. So uh, enjoy the interview with Aaron Foster. My name is Aaron Foster. You guys can find me at, at Nathan Summers the Elf King on Instagram. Do you ever have problems with people thinking that your real name is Nathan Summers? Yeah, all the time. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to happen when I was more uh, on Tumblr a yeah. lot more. People would message me all the time. Be like, hey, Nathan. Hey, Nathan. You know, yeah. like that. And then I did have a couple clients come into the shop as well and be like, oh, I really want to get pierced by Nathan. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten that a couple times, too. I was talking to people at conference, and they were like, oh, well, where's uh, Nathan? He works for you, right? And I was like, who the fuck is... What? <laughs> oh, Aaron. Aaron. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess not everybody gets it. Yeah. But Cable, you like the cable from the cable, yeah. Yeah. It's just um, I don't know. I I just thought it was more prevalent in the, but I guess you know, no. the average person doesn't. No, really nobody know. knows cable from the X Men's <laughs> real name. <laughs> well, they will soon. Yeah. Coming to theaters. Right. Deadpool too. How much of a, a nerd boner did you get when he commented on your uh, your picture? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I get to get a pretty pretty rock hard nerd boner. You're gonna frame it, wear it around your neck on a I'm, chain. I might make a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I wanted to talk to you because how long has it been that we worked together? Like five years at this point. Six. Six. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you want to tell some of the backstory, or do you want me to tell some of the backstory? Uh, I can tell the story about the first time I met you. Okay, because I guarantee you I don't remember that. I know you don't. Okay, so go go ahead and say that. So the first time I met you was at the Boston Tattoo Convention. And uh, at the time, I was very heavily invested in trying to remove my nipples. Yeah. So I asked you if you would do it, and you laughed in my face. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, then you said, nah, just go to Brian Decker in New York. Yeah. And that was the first time I met you. I doubt Brian would take his time to listen to this, but if you are listening, Brian, I apologize for all the times that I've just pawned off the things I don't want to do on you. But thanks for being a good sport about it and enjoy the free money, I guess. Yeah. All the business. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time. I vaguely remember it when you describe it, like a bunch of people have approached me in Boston and asked for things that I don't do or don't want to do or, or whatever. And, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess sometimes I'm not always the most polite person. Well, yeah, requests. it's a convention, too. There's right. a billion people everywhere. Right. So. And how will you get milked, if not for the nipples? Uh, solid question. So, um, I'll tell you a couple of things I remember about you early on. Okay. Uh, and we'll we'll obviously get to the, the Adam part of the story in mm-hmm. a bit. But uh, on I Am, I didn't like you at all. I didn't know you at all. I didn't okay. meet you. I hated how, like, vain you were portrayed yeah. on there. Because it was always, like, shirtless, looking all grim and workout pictures <laughs> yeah. and check out my tattoos and blah, blah, blah. And, like, part of me was just like, I will never be that attractive. So I'm going to be jealous. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I remember... Um, all right, so how do we, how to best get into the, the how you started with me part of it? Do yeah, you... well, I mean, uh, I can tell you about my first apprenticeship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, when I first decided that I wanted to be in this industry, uh, I did anything it took to, to, to get in. Yeah. So I took a job at like a really bad shop with you know a very inexperienced piercer mm-hmm. who. His only experience was the Fakir intensives. Okay. Now, nothing wrong with the Fakir intensives, but if that's your only piercing experience, right. no other shop experience, no other piercing experience. That was like he did the weekend and then he started piercing. Yeah, and then a week later, I was his apprentice. So was this in a studio? Yeah. Or okay, in 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 Roxbury. Yeah, West Roxbury. So it was a bad neighborhood, but, you know, it was just one of those things. I just wanted to be in the industry so badly that I didn't care mm-hmm. where I was working or who I was working for because I was working for who was notorious in the industry for just being one of the hardest people to work for. Yeah. Yeah. He made me cry, like, at least three <laughs> or four times, and he would he would constantly tell me how I'd never be a tattoo artist. Well, I mean, did you want to be a tattoo artist? <laughs> I didn't. Okay, well, there... But he you know. never understood that. Like, right. I'd be like... He'd be like, there was one time that he told me to, like, break down and set up a station. Yeah, a tattoo station. A tattoo station. Okay. And he was like, yeah, I would put out, like, my mini Jones, some tattoo terminology Thing. that had no clue, because I, I wasn't interested, really, in all becoming a tattoo artist. And uh, I didn't do it correctly, and I went back to him, like, 20 minutes later, I was like, I don't know how to do this. And he's like, you're never going to be a tattoo artist. Well, okay, so I, I think some <laughs> tattooers, uh, ones that have been in the industry for a little while, just see body piercing as like an add-on service. And I think I, I've heard more than a few stories about people who had to kind of work their way up the chain. Mm. And body piercer was like one step above counter person on right. your way to tattooer. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, well, hopefully that mentality is kind of fading away. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, I did my first piercing there. Yeah. What yeah. was it? Do you remember? Yes, it was. I will never forget it because it was a nostril. Yeah. Um, and the, all the techniques that he was teaching me were all uh, forceps into corks mm-hmm. with like rubber bands, and it was just like it was just all stuff that I wasn't ready to do. Yeah. Um, and the reason I don't remember that piercing because it failed so horribly. <laughs> uh, I tried to do, I think, a sixteen gauge. CBR, yeah, which probably wasn't even the right diameter. Yeah. I think it was probably too small, but it didn't even matter because I missed the jewelry transfer about four to five times, <laughs> and uh, you know, eventually had to give up and and just send the person out the door. Luckily, the person was like somebody I knew, right. and on top of that, like some crust punk punk rock chick, yeah. so she didn't really give a fuck. It's, like, it's cool. Yeah, it's just blood all coming out my nose. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I'll, I'll never forget that first piercing because uh, I don't wait. That was like my first piercing in a shop. Because mm-hmm. before that, I oh, would, did you do some kitchen magician stuff? Yeah, I did some kitchen magician stuff where like I was just ordering needles and I pierced my own septum about three or four times at yeah. a ten gauge. Nice. And guess what? Not came not up, straight. Came crooked every single time. Yeah. Uh, and I redid it like three times in yeah. like one night because you know I just didn't. It was it was Wild West back then because uh, I was also doing strike brands. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I remember distinctly the I was got drunk at a party and these kids like convinced me to like do strike brands on them. Yeah. And one of them came out fine because he just wanted three lines, uh-huh. so no big. But the the his girlfriend wanted like a flower design. Yeah. And all I had was like a straight piece of of sheet metal and like a blowtorch. And it, you know, I was drunk, and we like I drew it on, but it still came out mm-hmm. so wonky. And to this day, like you know, I feel horrible about it. On Good a reminder. Daily, yeah. Yeah. On a daily basis. All right. So fast forward. Okay. Yeah. Fast forward to wait. What to what? Pearson stuff. Pearson. Like stuff. how did you how did you go from that like dark wave period to mm. working with Adam? Adam. Okay. So uh, when I was working at Dark Wave, Adam. You know, I had done a couple of suspensions with Adam. Mm-hmm. I did a chest pull, and he had facilitated my buddy Chris's uh, suspension. Mm-hmm. And I just hung out with him a couple of times. And he called me up one night, randomly, uh, and he was like, hey, I need somebody to help me uh, do security at this bar I work at. You yep. know, interested? And I was like, you know, I knew that um, the only way that I would ever get an apprenticeship was to be hang out with people that are piercers yeah work your way in work your way in so i was like i didn't really want to do it Mm -hmm. but i knew that it would be worth it in the end so i was just like yeah i'll do it like that was the middle east that was the middle east nightclub yeah and then at the time i was still working for snapple doing like (laughs) corporate work yeah which was horrible and once i got the job of the middle east you know i kind of was like you know i'm just gonna go for it so i quit my job at snapple and started working full-time with adam so let me let me pause you right there for okay. a minute, and I'll give just a couple minutes backstory of, mm-hmm. of my connection to Adam. Okay. So uh, I worked at Hot Topic, not surprisingly to anyone in the world who's ever right. met me. Um, and you know, Adam would he was just one of the the mall hangaround kids, you know, <laughs> and he would show up and he'd wear like you know his mini skirt and fishnets and <laughs> full on like Manson makeup and all that. And you know, we would we would chat. He had uh, a couple of piercings that I think he had done himself and. Mm. I think at the time he was only maybe 16 or something like that. Oh yeah. And um, we got to talking and that's, that's when I was kind of on my way out of, of hot topic and Ah. finally getting a job as a, as a professional piercer, quote unquote, professional piercer. And uh, so he would come into the shop. I would pierce him, you know, we did a bunch of stuff and you know, as he got uh, a little bit older, we did a little bit more stuff and you know, genital things. And I remember he had, the biggest set of balls I have ever seen on a man. And yeah. I don't mean courage. I mean the yeah. size of his scrotum and testicles. <laughs> and I had to pierce his uh, his geesh once. And I, it's the first time I ever had to utter the sentence, can you hold your balls out of the way for me? Uh, to be able to pierce him. But anyway, we became pretty friendly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew that he really wanted to get into piercing. And at the time, I think he had moved on to working at Headlines. Mm. And he was like piercing people underground, you know, and I was one, one little tiny step above him working in this like very beginner kind of shop. 
And so I, I told him, you know, what you're doing is pretty unsafe. You know, I've made those same mistakes. So, you know, I don't really think that I'm qualified to give you a full on apprenticeship, but let me kind of just, I'll show you some of the stuff that I've learned. Uh, he helped out around the shop and all that, blah, blah, blah. Did some piercings, but we never really like super clicked as like apprentice mentor kind of thing because mm -hmm. I, I definitely wasn't ready or qualified for it at the time. And uh, you know that I'm a bit... Uh, into micromanaging yeah. to put it politely okay and uh I, I just don't think he liked having me kind of like breathing over his shoulder all the time and all that stuff so uh i knew natan because he puts on the boston tattoo convention mm -hmm. we were there and he was mentioning his studio needed a piercer and i was like hey i know this kid you know i've been showing him some things why don't you give him a shot so he ended up hiring adam for was it dark wave was, yeah, it, was dark yeah, wave the, the first time that adam worked yeah. the place so Adam got to like fulfill a couple of his dreams. He got to be a piercer in the shop. Mm -hmm. He got to move the fuck out of Nashua, New Hampshire, and move right. to Boston. Uh, and then uh, we we you know we we kept in touch, but we weren't like as close once he once he moved off. You know, like I saw him at uh, APP things and BME things and all that stuff. But you know, always just kind of kept tabs on him for where he was growing. We would check up on each other every now and then, and he would come and visit and, and all that stuff. And then uh, I guess that's where you you pick up on the the story. Yeah, um, uh, when I got to Darkwave, Adam had already moved on to Pinot Brothers. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I did have that, that very flimsy apprenticeship, you know, at Darkwave, and I was working with Adam. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of the same thing where he was like, you know, I'm not going to apprentice you, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, I don't want you to learn the wrong thing. Right, yeah. So, like, I'll give you, you know, like, I'll show you how to a do stuff. A primer or something. Well, just like, yeah. you know, I would ask him, like, you know, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. How do you do, you know, this piercing? And he'd be like, you know, I use this technique, blah, blah, blah. Um, and eventually, Darkwave went under. And uh, when, when Darkwave went under, I was already working at uh, Pinot Brothers as a desk person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it went under, it dissolved that apprenticeship because that guy just, like, went on went to off, do yeah. whatever he did. And, uh, yeah, Adam was nice enough to, to offer to finish the apprenticeship mm -hmm. uh, at Peanut Brothers. Yeah. And then uh, we, uh, we moved in together. Yeah. <laughs> we got an apartment right down the street. Very romantic. It was, it was romantic. And, uh, yeah. Then, uh, I can't, kind of lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so we moved in together. Uh, and then, you know, I was, I think, you know, it was probably like six, seven months before he passed away underneath that apprenticeship. And, you know, he did teach me a lot. Yeah. In that short period of time. You know, he's having me do this, like, um, these, like, drills where, like, he would, like, make me take CBRs and bend them open and bend them closed and then, like, put the ball in, but then, like do it like a bunch of times but then like do it behind your back you know what i, I that's because i made him do that <laughs> did you all the time yeah, yeah because he uh he would get really frustrated with not so much his jewelry transfers but his like you know closing a ball i'm uh, closing a ring putting in a ball screwing on a bead stuff like that so mm -hmm. i would make him do that muscle memory trick yeah yeah that definitely helped yeah but uh yeah and then you know adam passed away uh suddenly and uh yeah that was obviously horrible yeah it was a tough time for everybody uh, and that's when you stepped in. Yeah, so so my side of that was, um, you know, Adam Adam was one of those people where he was he was always part of this, like, shared Venn diagram friend circle kind of thing where there was, like, you know, the Nashua gang and then there mm. was the Boston gang and we had some overlap and all that. 
And, um, you know, we would, we would keep in touch, but it was never really close. And then just out of nowhere, you know, it was, Hey, at, you know, Adam passed away last night mm. and it, it hit us all pretty hard because, um, you know, we were all, you know, reasonably young at the time, you know, early thirties, late twenties. And, uh, you know, we, we hadn't really had a lot of people that were that close to us pass away at that mm -hmm. point, you know? So, uh, you know, especially someone who was a big part of the shop and, you know, everybody just loved his personality. I don't think I ever met a single person who didn't love Adam. So as that was happening, you know, we were all kind of going through our emotions and they said, you know, there's going to be this, there's going to be a memorial in Nashua. And then there's also going to be a memorial in, in Boston at the Middle East. And, um, you know, we all, you know, we closed the shop and we went to his memorial in, in Nashua on a Saturday, I think. And then, uh, we went to his memorial at the funeral home and everybody was like really beat up, you know, and it just, it was nice to see all the different people that were connected to Adam. You know, people came in from New York and up from Boston, all these people that, you know, we all knew each other, but it turns out that like Adam was kind of the glue that was like really sticking us all together, you know? Right. So, you know, a lot of crying, yeah. uh, a lot of pictures, a lot of hugs and all that stuff. And then I remember, um, you know, Adam's family came up and they were, they were talking to us and they were like, Oh, you know, thank you for being here and for the pictures. Thank you for what you did for Adam. You know, he, he really loved you guys and everything. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really sad to, to, uh, think about Aaron with his, with his apprenticeship. He was just starting to get off the ground and I was like, who's, who's Aaron? I don't, I don't. And they're like, oh, well it was his, uh, his uh, apprentice or he was training him. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know he had an apprentice. And they were like, yeah, you know, and now he's just, Pino's not going to have a piercer and Aaron's going to have to, you know, go back to work in security or this or that. And I, for whatever reason, you know, in that moment, I just felt like it was the right thing to do, but I, I just like walked up to his mom and I was like, you know what? I'll finish Aaron's apprenticeship. <laughs> and then, uh, and I still didn't know who you were. And I was <laughs> asking, I was asking his brother, like, you know, could you, is he here? Could you describe him? And uh, he was like, oh, you know, he's got like a blue arm. And I was like, oh, that's very, that's very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I saw these BME people there. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, I, you know, I think we might, we might've talked a little bit online and then I realized who you were from like the I am days and I was like oh my god it's that muscly pretty boy <laughs> from I am oh, boy. and now I'm gonna be working with him so <laughs> then uh then there was the the Boston Memorial and that was the first time that we really like talked in person yeah and um you know we we went outside on the sidewalk and I was like all right look here's what I think we should do you know um I think you should come up and I will just not give you a rushed apprenticeship, but it's like, I will, I'll, I'll get a feel for what you already know. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll talk about maybe like some of the priority piercings that you, that you have a little bit of like knowledge gap on. And we'll just focus on those enough that you can probably pierce safely at Pino brothers mm -hmm. and, and kind of do your own thing and carry on your way. That was my whole original intention was that, you know, I would show you some things and then you'd be at, you'd be at Pino. And then, uh, what, did Frank made you the offer to like kind of pay for you to yeah. come up once a week? Yeah, yeah. Frank, uh, you know, yeah, he he paid to for the bus to go back and forth. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we we're doing. I was doing it like once a week to come up here. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, at first it was kind of like, oh, you know, this isn't so bad, and then a couple weeks into it, we were both just like, man, this the part of this sucks, and then we just fell into the groove. Right. And it was like, how many years do you say you you did that? Probably. 
two years that you came up like once a week on that bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah from Boston to Nashua. Yeah. So uh, if anybody is is listening to this, you can go on his social media and you can probably see a, a fifty or so pictures of you looking grim on the on the bus taking your bus selfies that's true classic bus selfies classic bus selfie good lighting on the bus <laughs> it's with that natural light through the know, window. so trade secret <laughs> um you know we started kind of figuring out drills you know for you again yeah. you know figure out this muscle memory you know what piercings do you know and walk me through how you do them and you know do you have any questions for me and watch me pierce and and all these different things so what was it like going from what you had learned previously to to being in an environment where you had someone that was just trying to like drill information into your mind um you know that was, it was really intense for sure to go from you know because like adam's apprenticeship like strategy was completely different just because you know when he was apprenticing me it wasn't like a you know we had a time frame to yeah. get through he just figured you know this is going to be a long apprenticeship because uh you know that's the kind of guy he was he wasn't ever going to like rush somebody through yeah. until he felt completely uh, comfortable and you know it, it uh, the style that Adam was teaching me compared to like yours where like you where I would come up here like once a week and you would just like pack information into that mm -hmm. you know whoa, eight hour day you know I would learn 15 different new techniques or you know things I need to know about sterilization or aseptic technique or, or all that stuff so you know it was way more intense to try to to try to learn like that uh it wasn't bad at all, though, because, you know, I learned a great deal in a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was honestly highly motivated to do so at the time. You know, when somebody passes away like that, I mean, you don't want to, like, dishonor their memory right. by doing, like, half -ass. a half-assed job yeah. or, you know, like, especially piercing at Pino Brothers where, like, he used to pierce. There's a giant picture of him in the piercing booth. So it's like every time you do a piercing, you're looking at him. Right. So it's like... You know, this just gives you a lot of motivation to to push hard and just you know learn as much as possible and just soak up the knowledge. Uh, but you made it real easy uh, presenting the knowledge, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I, I I feel like I learned a lot through through teaching Adam. And also, if there's anybody out there who might not know him as Adam, you know, he oh, yeah, Zid was his his piercer name yeah. for for quite a while, especially when like when you know when he was really established in Boston, but. Uh, some of the some of the lessons I learned by by working with him was like you can't you can't just expect someone to be a mere copy of you. Mm -hmm. You know you have to kind of give them lots of different information and see what they absorb and and how they absorb it and then kind of work to their their strengths, not your strengths. Um, so, you know, I, I it was at least a year that you were working with me, and I remember mm -hmm. right after we started working together you ended up getting uh the scholarship for the app conference. oh yeah that's right yeah you were an ld scholar yeah i was an ld scholar uh adam was insistent on that yeah start like started that process but then you know once he passed and you took over then you were like super insistent on it yeah <laughs> well i mean it i i thought that it was just kind of one of those moments where it would be the the perfect experience for you you know mm -hmm. and especially like Going into it, you know, Caitlin messaged me and she's like, "Hey, can you tell me? Can you tell me about this guy, his story?" And I was like, "You know, look, here's what's going on with his his previous mentor." And she was like, "Oh man, like you know, we, it just you know, sometimes people have those stories and you know that you, you have to help continue it, you know. Right. So everybody just felt like you were a lock for for that scholarship. So you went and you know, I, as someone who's a little bit behind the scenes with the APP, 
uh, everybody just like really, really took well to you. You know, uh, everybody was spoke, speaking really high of your your personality and your drive and, and your passion and all that. And uh, I just felt like it was a really good moment because seeing you, uh, you know, working as hard as you worked, not just for you, but you know, again to to honor Adam's memory mm. was you know it was a special moment to to see you there and, and see you doing that and. Uh, yeah, and yeah. me and Adam had talked about going to APP together for, yeah. you know, a long time. Because he, he had already, like, bought your flight or something, right? Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He bought the tickets. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we'd, he'd been always telling me for years about the ass juice that I was... <laughs> well, for people who don't know, ass juice is a drink at this bar that Adam used to frequent called the Double Down, which yeah. is off the strip. And he would, you know, oh, you don't want to go to the bars on the strip. Do you want to go off strip? We go to the Double Down, we get the ass juice, and ass juice is just basically like a mixture of just every alcohol. It's horrible, I've heard. Gross. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, so I was really excited to go to APP. Yeah. You know, because I've been talking to him for about it for a while, and, you know, I'd done a bunch of stuff, uh, like going to different conventions with Adam to mm. help him, you know... Uh, not helping peers, but do like you know paperwork stuff. I remember when you were at the Philly convention. Philly convention. Yeah, when I was there doing scarification, and you and Adam were there piercing. Yeah, 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 and uh, so you know, I was I just really wanted to go to APP, and you know, getting that scholarship it really helped a lot, man. That first year at APP, like, I I learned like you know I learned a lot from you, but then you know going to APP and seeing um, all the people like the you know my peers and everything like that. You know, that helped uh, tremendously. All the classes, like, there's definitely the first time you take all those classes at APP. Yeah. You just learn like, just a shitload. It's like, it, it just kind of, it's like opening a book and, and just being like, I never even knew that all yeah. this existed, you know? And there's just so much information there. Yeah. So that helped a lot, especially in that first couple years of my piercing mm -hmm. career. It's like, yeah, if you just start piercing and you're not going to APP, like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Because, like... That's an extreme, extremely helpful tool. Like it's I, a, it's an incredibly solid foundation, yeah. and like I I wish that I had gone to APP earlier in my career oh, yeah. because I went after I had made so many mistakes already. Right, and then you look back and you're like, yeah, I, I didn't need to do know. that. I didn't need to do that. Yeah, yeah I should have done this. So um, when you, I think it was when you when you came back from that first conference, we ran into a problem with your licensing. In, in Cambridge. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because Adam had sponsored your license, and uh, I don't remember exactly what the, the regulations were, but I remember having to get in contact with the people from the health department and, you know, explain the situation and, and tell them that, you know, I was I was mentoring you now, and but I have a New Hampshire license and this and that, and we had to get you that, like, it was a, kind of special temporary license. Yeah, it was like a temporary one. Yeah. Um, I think I still have that. It's packed up now. But yeah. I still have that one. Sit, kick, kicking around somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a real pain. I mean, uh, for people who don't know, in Cambridge, Massachusetts is one of the most highly regulated cities in America mm -hmm. when it comes to piercing. And with the, probably the exception of like Portland, I think it's yeah. more regulated, but Cambridge is probably number two. And, you know, they make you jump through a lot of hoops. But. Uh, yeah, because what kind of. What kind of jerk helped write their regulations, I wonder? <laughs> this guy. This guy. This guy right here. Well, yeah. So, I mean, this thing about, I don't know. Health inspectors. 
They're kind of useless. Well, I wouldn't say that because their their intentions are good. They just maybe don't know enough about the industry sometimes yeah. to, to give you stuff that's viable and actually makes sense for the industry. You know, it's it's their best it's their idea of best practices. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like the reality of best practices. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I would kind of prefer that to what we have in New Hampshire, though, because I mean, we essentially have nothing here. Yeah, and that's the way it is in a lot of places yeah. too, like California. I've I had a couple of people tell me they've never had a health inspection or mm -hmm. seen a health inspector. Um, but you know, like the health inspectors, they don't really. I mean, they're just collecting checks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I think a lot of them are trying, but some of them maybe just their don't have the, in the right place. Their heart is in the right place, but maybe they <laughs> don't have the industry knowledge or the the resources to yeah. to do it effectively. But what did you have to do to get a, a Colorado license? Um. I was talking to Casey about it actually, and she's like, "You just walk in." Oh, really? Yeah, and you just be just, like, "Me Pierce." Yeah, and you just like give him fifty bucks or whatever yeah. it is. I know a guy. Or I think it has just like as long as somebody from the shop signs off for it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's not. It's not an intense process at all. It's mm -hmm. just like you just walk in and get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like you wouldn't be able to get it anyway. I mean, you have all the qualifications. And yeah. Licensing and all that. So. Uh, I, I feel like a, a big jump in your abilities was when you ended up working at Chameleon. Chameleon, yeah. And I feel like it was the same thing with Adam, because when Adam was piercing up here with me, you know, you can only get so good if you're doing one or two piercings a week, or, you know, the occasional thing, or, you know, you do this one piercing, but then you might not be able to do the same piercing again for three months. Right. You can't really, you can't really get it down at that kind of pace, like, very easily. It takes you, a long time. Yeah, I agree. Chameleon is a very intense shop to pierce at yeah uh you know for example like my busiest day there i think i did 50 some plus piercings yeah and like your busiest day probably up here was three or four yeah when i at that yeah. point yeah. yeah um so you know when you're thrown into the fire like that like you know i had a decent amount of experience before getting the job there and then uh but you know i'd never done that kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for frequency mm -hmm. of piercings because you know if you work a Saturday there it's just you know you literally are spending eight hours just right. piercing non-stop and yeah. the way it's set up there is that the desk people select the jewelry do the paperwork so you just get a sheet of paper in your door with the jewelry stapled to it mm -hmm. uh, and then you just take it call the person in and yeah. start to pierce yeah um, so yeah you know there is a lot that I learned. There's a lot of learn what I learned what not to do, mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of situations. Uh, but yeah, you know, you you're kind of forced to to learn. Yeah, it's got to be like a sink or swim kind of moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there are like there were like easy days there, but you know, you know, a slow day there is like 15 piercings. Right, so. right. Well, I remember. You know, you had a couple of things that you were that you were stuck on uh, up here that you were kind of struggling to, to overcome. And I remember just seeing you really clearly work out all those issues because, you know, if it's something like a like a nostril, you know, yeah. and you did a, a shift at a chameleon, you knew that you were going to be doing at least 10 that day. Yeah. So you could like bang it out and you could probably refine your technique a lot more quickly than up here. Yeah. Especially if you make like a minor error on mm. like, a, like, let's say a nostril piercing and let's say the angles off on that first one. You know, if it's two days before you do another nostril piercing, it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to learn as much if yeah. you, five minutes later you're doing the another same exact one. piercing yeah. with the same exact jewelry. Mm -hmm. um, and you can correct, you know, immediately and yeah. see the result and be like, oh, okay, well, this is what I need to do. This is what I don't need to do. Um, but yeah. So uh, when you ended up, 
like leaving Chameleon and you were doing more like split shifts between like Pino Brothers and up here, mm -hmm. uh, what was the decision for you to start thinking about moving up to New Hampshire? Um, the, it was really about uh, rent in Boston. It's just, yeah, I'd imagine it's killer. It's crazy expensive. I had to live with roommates, and it's like you know I'm 30 plus years old. I don't want to live with other people. Yeah, especially it's like. Uh, I was, there was plenty of times where, you know, like my, I was just a joke that my roommates had like some sort of psychic ability to know when I really need to pee mm -hmm. so they could like jump in the shower and right. spend like an hour in the shower <laughs> while I had to pee really bad. That was really the, the main motivation was like, you know, New Hampshire is going to be cheaper to live. Yeah. I can pee whenever I want. I can pee whenever I want. And I don't have to worry about, uh, roommates anymore and then, you know, pay way less in rent. Yeah. Yeah. So, at what point did you start dating Janae? How long have you two been together? Four years. Four years, okay. Yeah. So, um, was she, like, supporting moving to Nashua, or was she just kind of, like, going with it, or was she like, yeah, I don't really want to move to the sticks? No, she was supporting it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, same situation. She was, you know, we were in a tiny-ass uh, bedroom together yeah. with two cats, mm -hmm. and two roommates mm, that so can't be fun it just wasn't it wasn't the most ideal situation like my it was like one of those things like it was a rare occurrence because my roommates were actually pretty cool yeah and a lot they would be home a lot of the time which is ideal but still it's just uh i couldn't imagine it i couldn't imagine having to be in that kind of a situation yeah it's not good uh, and we were talking about this last night at your farewell dinner mm -hmm. about like the, the first day that she moved up here was like a huge snowstorm and she like came yeah. from Texas. Yeah. The first time she came to Boston, uh, she had, she had a job, this, uh, coffee shop and it was the only coffee shop that was still open during this giant snowstorm where we got that. I think it was like, th was it? Five feet, or I don't. Know. I don't think it was five feet, but I think we probably got at least three when we get hit with those bad storms. Yeah, it was a really bad storm. Yeah, and. Um, she had to go to work, and people were skiing down the street <laughs> in Boston to get places. Yeah, and literally no other place was open except yeah. for the coffee shop. So there was like a line out the door. Yeah, that must have been a really interesting uh, day yeah. one for her. Uh, I just remember laying in bed. That like, eh, sucks. <laughs> yeah, that have sucks. fun, honey. Shops closed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's getting piercings today. So you you lived up here for what, like a year? Like, full-time, or did you live up here for longer than that? Two years? In New Hampshire? Yeah. Two years. Two years, okay. Yeah. So you lived up here for two years, and I I always felt like it wasn't necessarily borrowed time that you mm. were up here, but I, I always kind of still had that thought in the back of my mind of, you know, he's he's meant for bigger and better things, for moving around. Like, I really don't expect him to, to want to just work at Precision Body Arts in Nashua, New Hampshire forever, as much as I would love to have you forever because we all sure. love you. Like, I felt like you, you you know, you wanted to spread your wings and fly and all that, you know, whatever the analogies are. I I always thought, honestly, that you would be more of like a California dude, you know? Like, I thought you were going to be moving out there at one point. And uh, so that's what kind of brought me to the decision of offering Evan an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. Because I, I knew that sooner or later, you know, just like Adam wanted to move on and grow, like, sure. I knew that sooner or later you'd want to do the same. So, uh, you know, started training Evan, and um, that was working out really good, and then... When you decided to move up here, I, I I would imagine it was probably frustrating for Evan, thinking like, you know, when am I going to be able to move up the the chain and all that stuff? Right. And that's when we were moving shops, and I was kind of like scaling back my time, and it was just kind of a, a, a good fit for you to move up here and and uh, you know 
really dependable and like I knew your your style of piercing because you know we trained together mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, it worked really good you know so it, to give you like the cheesy moment you know I just want to say like thank you for like helping me grow the shop and and being so dependable and being so like thoughtful and caring for like the clientele and you know everybody always really loved you whether it was the clients or whether it was the staff or even like family you know people just kind of coming around you were just kind of part of the team you know mm-hmm. and uh, so that was always great but I still felt like you know eventually I'm I'm gonna end up uh, losing him to you know what whatever path he he chooses you know and then you started doing some guest spots and you you gave uh, Texas a shot and didn't really didn't really dig that one no yeah. this is so hot bro. yeah <laughs> like I went in the summer too because yeah. I wanted to see how bad it would be mm-hmm. it's not for me out there yeah yeah. yeah. Did you, did you go out there because you thought maybe it would be more comfortable for Janae, or did you feel like it was because of the shop you guessed it at? Or? Yeah, no, she wanted to be closer to, like, her dad. Her dad still lives in Texas, yep. and, you know, we were thinking about moving, and she wanted to go to California, mm-hmm. now that you mention it, but I, I just would never want to live there. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You know, I lived in San Diego when I was uh, 19 mm-hmm. for a year. A whale's vagina. A whale's vagina. And, you know, San Diego's really nice, yep. but... You know, it's one of those things. Like, you have to have a car. Yeah. And you got to be prepared to spend a lot of time in your car driving mm-hmm. everywhere because there's traffic is ridiculous all the time. Yeah. And, you know, California is going to break off and go into the ocean. So, <laughs> I don't want Sooner that. or later. Sooner or later. So, um, I... I kind of felt like as soon as you did your first guest spot at Soul Tribe, I was like, oh, eventually Alicia is going to snatch him <laughs> up kind of thing. You know, like I, because it just seemed like the, it seemed like a good fit for you. You have a really close friend of yours, Chris, that lives out there. Chris and my buddy Paul is out there too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like it, it seems like, it seems really good. Like if you were going to move anywhere, I'm really glad that you're moving to a place where you're going to have such like a, a, such a comfortable fit, like right from day one. It doesn't seem like you're going to have to like grow a community. Like you're just going to be able to slip into one. Yeah. And it's funny about Soul Tribe is that um, when the, the, not this last time, but like the two times ago that I guest spotted out there, um, there's completely different tattoo artists. Like, I don't know mm. any of the tattoo artists anymore. Like, the last time I went out. Oh, really? Yeah, they're... Was it because they do like a lot of guest artists or because they have a higher turnover? I think um, it was just like, because like between those two times, a couple years had passed mm. and it's just like, you know, it's a tattoo artist. Sometimes they just cycle through. Right. So... Yeah, so I, the only person I really know there is Alicia and Casey. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, but there is this one tattoo artist that I met, and she was like a BME person. Oh, cool. Yeah, which I thought was was cool because you don't, these days... It's you, rare. Yeah, you don't meet, you don't meet too yeah. many BME, especially tattoo artists. Yeah, yeah, there weren't a lot on, at least I, on I Am anyway. Yeah, so it's just rare to, mm-hmm. one, the tattoo artist that was on BME. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you ask a regular tattoo artist, hey, you remember BME? They go, what? I mean, I, I Kevin, and, <laughs> Kevin and Nick remember it a little bit. They were on I Am, but uh-huh. I think it was just because I, I wouldn't shut up about it. They're, they're like, fine, we'll try it. Right. But I don't think they were, like, really invested in the community. Yeah. It, it's just... It's just one of those things. You there, you're not, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you'll be out at, uh, at Soul Tribe. So are you are you looking forward to that? What is it? You say a thirty hour drive? Yeah, thirty hour drive in, in the truck. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I'm gonna be stressed out probably till I unpack the truck. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then I get to work five days in a row. 
Well, I mean, at least you're going to make money. Yeah, man, I'm going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> so who else, is there anybody else piercing there besides you and Casey and part-time Alicia, right? She's she's mostly in a tattooing role now. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I think she does, like, appointments yeah. for piercing, but that's, like, it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, unless it's, like, some advanced genital stuff, right. she's not going to yeah. pierce. Um, but, yeah, it's just me and Casey right now, mm-hmm. which is why Casey's so relieved that I'm going, because <laughs> she's been... Uh, just floating guest artists and then just working the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's going to be... Uh, actually, I have to have some days off for once in a couple of years because yeah. it's been like two years since they lost she's their She's just been piercing. powering through it. Yeah. Yeah. And she like does all a lot of like shop manager stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like she's just piercing. Like she's got to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if, if there's anybody out there listening, uh, I'm in need of a replacement for the world's strongest piercer. Ooh. So, you know, if you're <laughs> into bodybuilding and have a good amount of tattoos on your face, All right. maybe you can apply for a future apprenticeship. I think I've got, I think I've got some candidates for, for potential apprenticeships, for potential. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll do some shadowing and, and see how it, how it goes. But, you know, I'm, I'm psyched that, you know, Evan is as seasoned as he is for, for someone kind of just leaving his like, you know, day job, you know, he doesn't have to do t-shirt printing anymore. Right. Uh, I bet he's psyched because next week, you know, next Monday is his basically first day as a full-time piercer. piercer yeah. you know, he finally got to quit that other job. Yeah, that's uh, a good feeling. It's a good feeling for him, yeah. And then for me, you know, I get to just coast on that working two days a week thing. Oh, wait, he's going to be working four days a week? He's going to work Monday through Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, I, well, I was talking I was talking to, like, Jesse and Ethics when I was at that class up in Montreal, and... Um, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I work this and I work that. Now, and I thought about it in my mind. And if you if you factor in the fact that I usually take like one trip a month, usually. Yeah. I only work about six days a month. Piercing, though. Piercing. Well, yeah. piercing, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm here doing office stuff, but I can just squeeze that in whenever. Right. You know. Okay. But I remember, okay, so like day one when you and I started together, mm-hmm. I was working six days a week. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that was one of those things that I always thought that you and Adam had in common because Adam was the same way. Yeah. He's just, he would never stop working. And, like, you know, at the time that Adam passed, he had three jobs. Right, because Middle East, piercing, and then what was the third one? Uh, he was also doing, uh, d- like, DJing. Right, right, I yeah, remember that. DJ, uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of his DJ thing. Wasn't it just DJ Zid? I think it was DJ Zid, but he had, like, a whole costume that he would wear oh jeez. yeah 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 i remember one time i went to um what was the name of that goth club in boston man ray yeah, yeah the man ray yeah so I, I went i went to man ray once and uh i had a couple of friends with me and uh adam was just like oh yeah i'll be there you should say hi right and i was looking around and looking around and i was like where the fuck is and then i looked up and he was like go-go dancing up on some stage with like a mini skirt and like platform heels oh, yeah. and like a fishnet shirt and like all this makeup and he was like swoopy dancing and I was like, oh, hi, Adam. That's funny. You know, but when, uh, when we became roommates, I got him really into uh, jujitsu. Yeah. So, he, like, oh, he stopped wearing those dresses and he started wearing, like, a gi around right. the house. And yeah. <laughs> That's kind of silly, but whatever. We used to go to um, the parks in Boston and then just do jujitsu in the park. <laughs> and people would, like, walk by and like what the fuck is happening right yeah now? did anybody think you were like for reals he's fighting no they probably just thought we were just two gay dudes just loving on <laughs> just each hugging other. it out <laughs> hugging it out in public like these dudes <laughs> are just trying to bone right now oh man okay so 
quick Adam story on the side. Did you ever like see pictures of his uh, his like van that he lived in for a while? Yeah. So you know he was never his family was never poor. He had he had a home up here. You know mm. he had a place to stay. But I think he like really really wanted to be punk rock Adam for a right. while. And instead of living with his parents or moving into an apartment or something, he decided to just live in a van down by the river for a while. <laughs> and this was when we started doing the, the Boston Tattoo Convention, and it was, like, really early on in the shop, and if I could save a couple of bucks by not renting a van and borrowing Adam's, I was going to do that. Right. So we borrowed his van that had, like, a full bed in the back and everything, <laughs> and, you know, we had it all loaded up with boxes, and we were riding down, and Kevin and I were in the front, and Nick was in the back, and then he's like, hey, guys. And we turn around, and he was just wearing all of, like, Adam's bondage stuff that he had hidden under the bed. Wait, who was? Nick. Nick was. Was wearing, like, a gas mask and, like, some weird, like, gag harness and all this other stuff. And there were all these, like... Oh, it was a bone van. It was a it was super bone van. <laughs> but there were all kinds of, like, goodies under there. And oh we were like, yeah, okay, God, can't unsee dude. that. Shouldn't be putting that on your mouth, though. Ugh, yeah. Just wash your hands real good. Uh... Yeah. So you got any other you got any other good PBA stories? Uh, oh, I got a good story. Okay. When I <laughs> when I forced you to uh, to pierce my paired nostrils. Oh boy. Was that was that the point where you made the decision that you would never pierce me again? No, no, that wasn't it. It was the surface anchors you had me do. I believe on your chest. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, no, because. I remember that because um, you're like, yeah, I just want you to do some surface anchors on my chest, and it was after the nostrils. Okay. So it w- and it was. Well, tell the nostril story first. Yeah. So try to do pair of nostrils on Ryan. Obviously, you know, piercing a piercer is like the most stressful piercings you can do. Uh, they weren't perfect. <laughs> uh, they were off. Uh huh. And so. Uh, like I try, and then you're like, you got like mad, and you're like, I'm just gonna do it myself, and you like took out the piercing, and then like repierced it yourself. Well, it's because with with no, the, the bus thing. Was off. Well, the angle was off, the but it's because of the bus thing. We had to leave here at six thirty every oh, day right. to get you to your seven o'clock bus, and it was like six fifteen or something like that. And yeah. you would pierce one, and it was a little bit off. So no, one of them was good. I remember that. Whatever. So then you pierced the other one, and it was a little bit off. So I was like, "All right, try it again." And then you pierced it, and I think it was still off. Yeah. So I was like, Draw! Yeah. Like and I hulked you, out. You hulked out and took it. Took it matters into your own hands. But then, like, and then you know, obviously, when something like that happens to a piercer, your piercing confidence immediately just is shattered into a million pieces. Uh-huh. And like, you go to do like any piercing on any person, you're just like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> But then it was like two weeks later, you asked me to do surface anchors on, on your chest. And I, remember I did one, and then I did the top one, and just it wasn't in line uh-huh. with the with the bottom one. Yeah. And uh, same situation. Did I hulk out again? You hulked out again. And then I think that was the last time I pierced you. Yeah? Yeah, pretty sure. That was like four years ago. You want to pierce me today before you leave? Nah. <laughs> nah. I'm good on that. We should do something. We should figure out something that you can do. and <laughs> You could leave on a high note. Nah. No? Nah. All right, fine. <laughs> I'd rather not have my confidence shattered yeah. and then go to work at Soul Tribe next week. Yeah. And be like, that's ah, cool. I'm just like... Shattered your mojo? Yeah. Because, it, it, dude, it took me a while to recover 
my confidence from those failures. Yeah? Yeah. Because, like, if you fail on, on like, a regular piercing, mm-hmm. it's like, it sucks, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't shatter your confidence. Like, yeah. No, I, I think it's kind of the same thing with, like, septums for a while. Like, yeah. you get one bad septum, and then it's like you have this streak where no matter how sound your technique is, you just can't seem to nail them. Yeah. That's one of those ones that's always frustrating, yeah. regardless of how, how confident you are um, doing septum piercings. It's like, it's always like, as soon as the desk person's like, yep, there's a septum waiting, you're just like, okay. Fine. <laughs> you're slapping yourself in the face like, you can do this! Yeah. Those those forceps do help quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what were what were what would you say were some of your your biggest challenges learning to pierce? You know, I think the thing that I had to learn the most is you know, obviously the technique is important, but I think what's really important is learning how people react mm-hmm. and and how to control your emotions mm-hmm. and fear and anxiety, you know, because you know, that first year or two years of piercing it's every piercing. It's not just, you know, one every once in a while. Every piercing is just like sweating and you're nervous and your hands start shaking. So learning how to control that, I think, was probably the the biggest challenge. And once once I was able to, that's when I really started to feel comfortable mm-hmm. actually piercing. Um, and then the second thing is just how people react. Yeah. To piercings, are you talking about like flinching or like not you know, talking, you know, after the piercing? Well, just in general, like. Uh, like one of the things that, that really fucked me up when I first started piercing was doing navel piercings. Uh, you know, it, I didn't realize it, but you know, doing a navel piercing is probably the most dangerous piercing. Yeah. I think personally. Yeah. Why is that? Why is because that? the person's hands right there. So like. Oh, so if they like try to move their hands. Exactly. To, to okay. Some people's instinct is just to you know right. grab them. You know, okay. It's happened to you a zillion times. Um, and I had a girl. Uh, when I first started, grab my wrist, mm. or at least attempt to, and you know I went from my piercing voice straight into my dad voice. Yeah, because uh, you know that's one of those things that like I take seriously mm-hmm. because I don't want a needle stick. I don't want. I think I do the same thing when people, you know, if people move a little bit, I'll just be like, just try to you know stay stay yeah. still. But if they move a good amount, I'm, I just I at this point now sometimes I just let go and pull my hands back, and I'm like, if you want me to finish. You can't put my safety at risk. Yeah, know? and and that, I do the same exact thing yeah. now. Or it's like if I even have a tiny inkling or feeling that this person's like a like a gonna try to move mm-hmm. even a lit, I'm like, listen, we're, I'm not gonna pierce it till you sit on your hand. Yeah, and that's it. Well, I don't get, I don't go that far. I I think I had a, a, a period of my career where I was a little bit more stern about like trying to command the the, the situation. Mm. And now what I do is I just I I talk to them more ahead of time and I say like. You know, it's a lot worse in your mind than it is in reality. You know, sure. You know, even if I can make it easy, you know, you're you're the person that's going to make this difficult if you can't just let yourself relax and, you know, and and uh, especially with uh, genital piercings now, I'll, I'll really tell the person like a lot of people have a tendency to flinch with their legs or, mm-hmm. or move their arms. You know, try to be as still as possible. The more still you are, the faster I can work and the easier I can make it. Blah blah blah. Right, right. Yeah. But, yeah, but just learning that, you know, that's like one of those things that's. Uh... Ooh, talk about tongues. Because you have an aversion to them, so talk about why that is. <laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, I, I think the, the main reason I just kind of think it's gross. Uh-huh. I don't want to stick my hands inside uh, somebody's mouth, especially like, in New Hampshire. Especially in New Hampshire. Um, you know, I think you know. I had a, a horrible failure on one of the first couple of tongues 
that I did uh, where it was a straight disaster. I was using like step down externally threaded jewelry mm-hmm. and still missed the transfer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was using forceps. It was just, it was just a bad situation. Yeah. Now I feel like I could do a tongue, no problem. I just don't want to. Yeah. And it's not like there's a really high demand for it. There's just almost no demand for it these yeah. days. Like in the last two years that you've been up here, how many have you had to be like, well, come in on one of Ryan's days? Maybe like two or three. Yeah. In, in the last years. couple of years. That's yeah, pretty minor. If it was like nostrils or navels yeah, or that'd be a, different situation. a tragus, I'd be like, yeah. you got to get over it, buddy. Yeah. I mean, and then there was uh, like a junkie when I was in Chameleon mm-hmm. that, you know, like he really wanted a tongue piercing and like, I think he talked me into it and uh, he couldn't, he couldn't keep, keep his tongue out. Like it was just like, I didn't even get to the piercing because mm-hmm. this dude, you know, it was like, if, I feel like that is more common with tongues and a lot of other piercings that people just can't like figure out how to control their own tongue to keep it in a place. Here's the thing is uh so i the way i i kind of tweaked my personal technique is to work against all those things because i was getting sick of people slowly pulling their tongue back in and not being able to hold it still and trying to swallow instinctively and all that stuff so that's why i do like the gauze tricks like the way that i pierce it now um because the gauze will tend to kind of like stick to their their lip and teeth and mm-hmm. stick to their tongue and kind of it gives them this natural forward tugging sensation so that they know like oh i can't pull it back in or whatever right. And my my tongue class that I developed for the APP conference is entirely based on on you mm-hmm. because I think there are other like newer piercers too who have that same kind of thing where they just don't do tongues often enough to get confident with them and a lot of them are just like oh yeah I don't do tongues you know mm-hmm. and it's like well th- that was like a staple piercing in the 90s and the sure. 2000s like it was like tongues and navels you know and now it's like you know nipples and traguses and nostrils and all that stuff but uh, tongues. It, to meet to meet a piercer who says like I don't do tongues is is like someone saying like you know oh well I don't I won't do an eyebrow or okay maybe that's well okay maybe I can compare those two because nobody wants to get eyebrow piercings either that's true no matter how much people try to push that Fourth of July brow hashtag Fourth of July brow yeah that I was a brainchild of Rick Free it, it, I, I'm confident that it was sarcastic but uh, there were there were a group of piercers online saying like. Well, you know, we could probably make anything a hot trend if we market it the right way. Right. Okay. And then they were like, well, you know, we'll, we'll try to do a hashtag 4th of July brow. And I think, you know, people did like 10 eyebrow piercings. They were like, it works. I proved my theory. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, July 5th on, you're never going to do an eyebrow piercing. Yeah. I also just, I don't know. It's, eyebrow is just like one of those piercings that uh, I think it's the jewelry, to be honest with you. It's the jewelry, but I don't think that they look very complimentary on most people's faces. Yeah, so, I mean, you have to have, because if you have a curved barbell or, God forbid, a CBR in your eyebrow, it's just one of those things. It's It doesn't look fancy, even mm. if it's a really nice, high-quality piece of yeah. jewelry. It always reminds me of when they have, um, like, punks with piercings in a movie yeah. where it's just glued on, and yeah, it's just yeah. like, wow, that just doesn't, it doesn't flow. Yeah, I mean, some people definitely pull it off. Like, yeah. Luis... His yeah, eyebrow piercings well, are great. Yeah, his are like one of a kind, and they're right. amazing. Well, yeah, he's yeah. got the fractal. Yeah. What is it, fractal? Fractal creations, but yeah. he, he actually got those recast in gold. So he's got yeah. gold ones now. I mean, he he's like one of those few people that I'm like, yeah, his eyebrows piercings are awesome. Mm-hmm. But on most people, it, especially if you don't have like a lot of other piercings, and if you just have an eyebrow, yeah. it just... It just flashes me back to the 90s immediately yeah i remember yeah. i had i had uh that's why i got those rejection scars i right. had some terrible eyebrow piercings that i did on myself 
That was actually one of the first piercings I ever I ever did on myself, and it was before it was really a piercing. I just I shoved a sewing needle through my eyebrow when I was like fourteen, uh-huh. and then I took some garbage little like earring that I bought at an accessory store at the mall and like shoved it through and like tore it into my face. It was there for like two weeks before Word it just got up. jacked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, eyebrows. We got any other good shop stories? Um, I don't know if they're podcast appropriate. Well, what? I mean, for precision? Yeah. Stories? I mean, I'll never forget that story Nick told me. Which one? About the, the client that came in, and um, she, she wanted a portrait of her with her dog. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we absolutely can't tell that one on the podcast. <laughs> because I... <laughs> yeah. You don't want to edit that, because I still tell people that story yeah. all the time. That's a good one. That is a story where you're going to have to pull me or Aaron aside sometime yeah. and get the, the private 411, because that is not If you see us at ABP, ask us about the Nick dog portrait story, and yeah. I'll know exactly what you're talking oh, about. God, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so a couple other just my fond memories. Uh, there was the lobster apocalypse. Well, that was a good time. Yeah, I had a client who was a lobster fisherman and gave me a tip of like twenty five lobsters after I did his piece. Yeah. And I just I think it was just you and Kevin and Sampa. Sampa. Oh no, Kevin wasn't there for that. Like there was another time where where Kevin came over. But yeah, so that lobster apocalypse. It was Sampa and Anetta. Yeah. Me, you, and then like their driver. Yeah. And we had like. 10 lobsters between us or something or more than that it was a lot i remember a lot I of lobster. ate my fill yeah of lobster it was like the first time i've ever eaten lobster till i couldn't eat it anymore yeah that was good it was good i remember uh assisting sampa with your your ear pointing and that yeah. was one of the only times that i've i've seen something and and had the realization of i will never be skilled enough to do this <laughs> well i think you could do it i think it's just I don't think I could do it like that. Yeah, but yeah, just to just to see someone be like like a body part be fully like deconstructed to its base parts and then reassembled in a different configuration was intense. Yeah, and then I remember right after that when uh, Adam got his chest done. Yeah, Adam Richens. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, because I remember I was like peeking through the door and Sampa. It was like going through so uh, part of his chest, and like the blood just like squirt, like it was like a fountain that like squirted out. And you know, I would, if that was me in the situation, I'd be like, ah, oh no! <laughs> but Sampa was just like, yes, whatever, and just like I just cauterize it, and you just fucking. Tss. I like how you give him a Dracula accent. Well, that's. I don't think it's tough to do the Sampa finish accent. Yeah, I can't really do it. Yeah, he's fucking cool. Yeah, that's pretty good though. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um. What are some other good ones? There was uh, your your arm wrestling feud with Thor. That's true. At the Valhalla dinner. Yeah. Arm wrestled a... Uh, very large Very large individual. actor playing Thor yeah. a couple years running. But then uh, he beat me the first first year. Yeah. And the second year... Lady Thor. No, the second year was him. Was it? Yeah, because I remember because he was like, I'm going to let you win. And he whispered it to me. Oh. And I was like, good, good, good. <laughs> And just friggin' was the hero of the night. Whosoever be worthy. <laughs> will arm wrestle Thor. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll call it a draw. We'll call it a draw because yeah. he beat you like every subsequent year. I'm just not good at arm wrestling. A lot of people yeah. just assume I'm good at it because I, I'm muscular. Yeah. Uh, it's but, beach muscles. Well, it's not beach muscles. <laughs> but 
arm wrestling is like a different whole set of skills that right. like, I don't ever practice. And I'm actually pretty afraid of arm wrestling. Because you don't want to destroy your arm, right? That, yeah, because if you ever watch arm wrestling fails on YouTube, mm. it's disgusting. Yeah. And somebody works with your hands, you want to try to... Yeah, go figure. You yeah. don't want to have a dislocated elbow Yeah. while you try to pierce? Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those things. It's like, you're always paranoid about it. Yeah. Getting your hands hurt. Um, what are some other good ones? I remember when you first started working with me, uh, you were a pretty popular fellow fellow on Tumblr. Uh-oh. With uh, the ladies and the gentlemen. <laughs> because you had some, some, maybe some skin showing on yeah. some of your photos. And I had to tell you, like, all right, you can't have... <laughs> Your piercing work on the same blog as your dink. Yeah. So. Well, you know, that was a tradition that was carried over from BME. Right. You right. know, and. There's uh, not enough nudity in the modern body piercing industry. I'll, I'll there's agree. almost none. Yeah. I mean, I actually had a client the other day who I pierced her nipples and she was like, do you want to take a picture? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking, she was like, because beforehand she wanted to see examples of right. it. And, you know, I showed her a couple from your portfolio, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't have any because I can't post them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, it's not like, you know, when BME was around, mm-hmm. you know, you'd see oh, yeah. pierced whatever yeah, all the time. Yeah, you'd see a lot of, like, genitals. Yeah, and, and there was that uh, the thing that Shane would do every once in a while, but guess what? Yeah. It'd be like that real close-up yeah. of a, like a, a whatever, and then you'd have to guess what kind yeah. of piercing it was. That's a good point, because I have almost no pictures of nipples or genital piercings at this point, yeah. and they're super handy when you're having those consultations with people. Yeah, and it, and when that when that client offered you know to for me to take a picture of her piercings, and they came out perfect, yeah. and like I could have taken a picture, but I was like, what I said to her was like, I don't, I don't have anywhere to post it. Right. Like, so I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to have a picture of, mm-hmm. of your piercings. And yeah, then... Tumblr is really the only place you can get away with that at this Tumblr, point. Tumblr. And yeah. nobody, nobody's on Tumblr anymore for piercings. You know, a couple people, but it's yeah. not like it was three years ago or four years no, ago. No, not at all. I've completely, almost completely abandoned Tumblr. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'll get notifications all the time where like, I get new followers mm. and 90% of the new followers I get are porn bots. Really? Yeah. So it's like... It, there's no I don't feel like there's a, still a lot of real people on there 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 aren't no Tumblr for me is just what I do to pass time while I'm on the toilet yeah I just feel like it's just a lot of bots it is and yeah. every once in a while I do get a pier- piercing question yeah. on there but I don't really answer piercing questions on Tumblr yeah no the volume of interaction on there has, has sharply dropped I mean it used to be I was answering 5 to 10 questions on there a day right and now it's like maybe we'll get one or two new questions in a week so we don't even really do questions on there anymore yeah, I remember that was part of my apprenticeship was to go through the APP Tumblr and then just delete all the repeat questions. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you had me do that one day and there was like a thousand plus questions in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's when Yahoo bought it, it just went downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there'll be... I would I would love it if there was some sort of community. You know, Sump is trying to get the, the Rusty Cyborg thing going, but it's through a pay barrier, so it's really difficult, you know, right. because I don't think a lot of people want to take that take that chance as to whether it'll be good or not and have to pay so maybe if you did something like submissions or, or something i don't know yeah i mean it's just one of those things like when when shannon passed away it's like i feel like a part of the community died as well just yeah because I'll agree. you know he was just such a central figure mm-hmm. and it was like you know when he was picking the articles you know he had such a good eye for it mm-hmm. especially like when he picked picked my stuff uh-huh <laughs> You know, he's like, ah, here's Aaron again. 
<laughs> Whatever. But um, and then somewhere off on the internet was Ryan, aka the Fog, was being that your like, I am "Oh damn, that <laughs> handsome man that I won't be." Uh, yeah. So yeah, when I what was your what was your I am name? I had a couple. First, it was I am Dig, which Didge? was a, a sh- abbreviated version for Didgeridoo because at the time I was super into eating acid and playing the Didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, that was a long time ago. Uh-huh. That was like more than fifteen years. But uh, yeah. then it was I am sick. I remember that. Okay, I or remember that sick one. Sick addict. I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was just sick. Yeah. Yeah. And that came from just because people would be like, "Oh, sick tats all the time." <laughs> <laughs> so man, I think mine came about because we were joking at the shop that um, we should all have wrestler entrances, and so it'd be like you know. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, you know, Ryan will be with you in a minute, it was going to be like, oh, I, I want something with like a the, so it's like the destroyer, but I was like, the fog, and we can have a fog machine, uh. and I'll come in and, you know, have this dramatic, it's like, you know, just a total joke, but that apparently that was the day that I was signing up for I Am, and I was just like, oh yeah, I'm sure this joke will be funny forever. Oh yeah. I'll have that be my name. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a lot of those guys, like, sometimes every once in a while on like Instagram... I'll see somebody from years ago on BME, and I'll be like, oh my god, I haven't seen this person forever. Yeah. And, you know, you look through their stuff, and, like, they're still insane or doing crazy shit, but... Yeah. You know, they... Less and less. I mean, I, for better or worse, you know, I, I think that some of the stuff that was explored on BME, um, some of the trends that kind of got rolling were a little bit dangerous, you know, and you can see the fallout of that now sure. from, like, the eyeball tattooing was kind of one of the last... Trends started by BME, you know, and then like you can see where that's going now. Yeah, and it's not going well. Yeah, no. But I mean, like, yeah, I kind of miss the days where it was like, oh, you know, all these people are going to get a meatotomy for no reason because it was on some little article. And, that's true. Yeah, you know, that was like one of those things. Is like, uh, you know, you you get like a PA, and then like you know you you heal it, and then you work your way up to like a split or like a subincision, and. Now it's like it's not prevalent because you know it's not you don't see it as much. Right, you the know? exposure's gone, the so exposure's people are just gone. getting the same common stuff over and over. Yeah. What's so, another good story? Your uh, your face cutting was yeah. an interesting one. Yeah, that was that was fun. So for those who don't know, the scars that Ryan did on my face, we actually did them twice uh, because the first time, you know, they healed really really light, mm. and I just wasn't happy with the way that they healed. So the second time we did it, ink rubbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, let me, let me just say, I have absolutely no experience. No with. experience. So I just ordered the... No, the, I had the ink. Well, you ordered the powdered pigment yeah. color that you wanted, and yeah, I yeah. just mixed it with some distilled water. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll just cram this paste into your open face wound. Oh, you think you'd have more experience since you have, like, 20 years in the scar game. Yeah, with cutting, not, like, rubbing stuff into it. Yeah, but 90s, dude. Yeah. That was not a huge thing. Well, you know, also, like, I have all these friends around the world who do ink rubbing, but, you know, oh, don't ask them. Don't ask the professionals <laughs> who have done this a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't that bad, but the next morning, all that ink was mm-hmm. still all over my face. I couldn't get it off, and I had to end up uh, waiting to go to work to be able to get to remove it because yeah. I just didn't have the stuff in my house. So, but I went and got coffee in the morning, yeah. and it just looked like I had been murdered by like a bear. And like the coffee shop girl was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I was like, "That's ah, just it's just ink. Don't worry about it." Yeah, yeah, but 
That was one of my favorite uh, scars that I got. Yeah, it was a fun experience. I mean, it was a ridiculous experience, but it was a fun experience. Yeah. I know you don't like cutting faces. No, you know what? It's just because I'm not I'm not good at them. I don't like to do something that I'm I'm not good at because I feel like if somebody wants a facial a facial piece, they could go to somebody like Brian or somebody like Yestin and they could get a really good quality one. Mm-hmm. And I just feel guilty being like like okay, uh, there are certain piercings where it's just like nope, nope, like you know maybe I could do that uh, mm-hmm. with my experience. Like uh, somebody mentioned like a a, a Princess Albertina. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Like, I could probably do it, but right. I, you know, I, I don't feel like I should be the one doing that. Like, go see Jim Weber or go see this other person or something, you know? Right. Um, and face, face cuttings definitely fall into that. I've gotten a lot of inquiries about them in the last year or two, and I just, I just refer them out to other people. Do you? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I should probably get more comfortable with them because I keep getting all these requests, but I don't really... It's not my thing. Yeah. I'm not a face cut guy. Could be, though. Yeah, I guess it could be. You know? I think they're just, it, it's one of those things, like, when you have scars on your face, it's just, uh, it's just so cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and don't you like being asked a hundred times a day what that shit is on your face? Nobody asks about the scar. Nobody asks about the scar? Uh, like, they'll get around to it, but yeah. the first question is always about the, the white, white stripe. stripe. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, that's like, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen it when I'm... With clients here, yeah. like I've had people interrupt me while I'm talking mm-hmm. to be like, "What's that shit on your face?" <laughs> and it's like, "Listen, man, you want to ask a question? Cool, but like, please don't interrupt me while I'm at work, while mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of like trying to help your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like, give me thirty seconds yeah. to like get through like this jewelry selection process so nope. we can, you know, before you start yelling shit at me. Yeah, but you know, you gotta." You gotta learn to accept it, I guess. Well, especially if you do that shit to your face, yeah. <laughs> and whatever, Shayna's fault. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. That's another good thing. That's another legacy of BME. That's the white facing. White face tattoos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I got one. Rome. Yeah. Freaking. Oh, I forget his name. I'm All kinds of people now. Yeah, there's a bunch one. of people. Yeah. In Europe, too, it's like tons of people have some, some really cool ones. Yeah. White mandalas and all that stuff. Sure. So, I guess we'll start wrapping it up. I mean, is there anything else you want to hit on? Uh, I don't know. I guess, like, you know, stay in school. Stay in school. Take uh, your vitamins. Say your prayers. Say your prayers. Uh, don't do drugs. And, <laughs> uh, you know, eat your vegetables. And uh, reach for the stars. And Yeah, never give up. Never surrender. Right. Uh, don't do any piercings on Ryan. Yeah, don't pierce another piercer. And, uh, <laughs> you'll be all right. All right. Well, best of luck to you in Denver. We're going to miss you. Thank you. But, we'll uh, miss you guys. I'm sure we'll run into each other. Of course. Yeah. Oh, I'm over. sure you're going to need some coverage eventually. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whatever <laughs> you want to come back, you know, uh, believe it or not, I like to travel. So yeah. 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 I'm sure Evan will get caught up in something and you'll need some yeah. help. Yeah. Especially if you want to do like fall of 2018, cause I'm going to be gone for like a month so i'm sure evan's gonna want a few days off yeah Yeah. all right all right well give me a hug podcast out podcast out man hug oh i love you buddy love you all right there you go aaron foster best of luck to you out in colorado buddy 
Uh, now that we have those extra days freed up at the shop, that means Evan gets to grab them, and that means Evan gets to quit his day job finally. So he gets to be a full-time body piercer, so double congratulations there to uh, Evan Quino for all, uh, all of his hard work. He definitely deserves the spot at the shop. It's kind of weird, though, because he's going to be piercing twice as many shifts as I am. So he's going to be on four days a week. I'm only going to be on two days a week. And that's just a, a really weird feeling for me. Um, you know, it seems like the the further time goes, you know, the, the less I'm actually piercing at the studio, which is it's just strange, you know, being someone who opened a shop and worked there, you know, six or seven days a week for about 15 years. Um, having kind of a reduced role in, in my studio is kind of weird, you know? Um, it's it's nice being able to focus on other projects, but it, it definitely takes some getting used to. As far as other projects go, I've got those classes coming up um, in early February, one in Florida and one in Maryland. You can go to piercingwizardpodcast.com or precisionbodyarts.com for a little bit more info about those. If you wanted to register, uh, join me for a, a full day class. We're going to be doing a, a workshop about freehand body piercing, um, kind of breaking it down to uh, you know, the technique and, and how to apply it and uh, all different tips and tricks. So that should be uh, some, some pretty good classes. Later this week, I've got a meeting for the New Hampshire Body Art Advisory Panel. We're going to be kind of just getting the ball rolling, really. We're still kind of talking about the current regulations and what we might want to do to improve them, uh, tightening up some of the definitions and, and things like that. So I'm going to be on that panel for a, a three-year term, I believe. So uh, a lot of work to go. It's a pretty slow process. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, increasing some of the safety standards here in my home state. Next week, I've got an APP Board of Directors meeting on Monday. Uh, that's just going to be over the internet, though, so I don't have to fly anywhere. Um, I can do it from uh, the comfort of my couch in my pajamas and, uh, you know, talk about uh, current projects and make that slow march towards the, uh, the APP conference uh, coming up next summer in, in Las Vegas. So next week, I'll have another interview for you. Not exactly sure which one it's going to be yet. I'll, I'll pull one out of my, uh, my grab bag of, of interviews and uh, get something good for you online. So come on back, and uh, thanks for joining the show. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.